The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. My next guest is, um, I, I suspect, Irish comedy royalty at this point. He is in the milieu of the best that we have produced. He has starred alongside the likes of Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts and Simon Pegg and all those kind of up-and-coming uh, actors and actresses. We know him as, as Dylan Moran. For some reason, the British insist on calling him Dylan Moran, but I think we probably have to give up on that at this point. Do you ever resist the Moran? I don't care. I, I people see. can call me Jennifer if they like. I don't give a stuff. <laughs> You have been living amongst them for quite some time now, though, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I was talking about that last night in Vicar Street, how enjoyable it is for me to be here and to be in the the, the, the language sound. There's the, not just the accent, but Irish English, uh, the way English is spoken here. Obviously, my favourite way of hearing it. You know? But you're, you're not England, you're Scotland, aren't you? I was in Scotland for a long time, yeah. I'm sort of in the process of moving to uh, down south in, over there right now. But um, the... Uh, just the Irish voices and the words. I was so, somebody says, I said it last night on stage because, like, instead of just the somebody could say, "Oh no, I don't see it that way," or "I don't agree," but here people go, "I'm inclined to disagree." <laughs> I just thought that was one of those phrases, you know, that came back to me. That it just suggests so much, you know. It makes it a much sort of subtler kind of process. I, my favorite along those lines is the "I will, yeah, <laughs> yeah." Well, that's the old joke about Cork people, you know. How does a Corkman say no? "I will, yeah," all that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or the alternative, I'll do it now in a second. Yeah, yeah, hold on. Yeah. So, having spent the time that you have in the UK over the past while, can you explain to us what's going on? No, I truly can't. I mean, I, it's a fair question. It's mental. It's very, very mental. It's, but it's kind of, you know, I guess if you look at it, it's kind of the behaviour. If you think about it, I think basically what they're doing is like, you know, when you go out and you say, we'll go out and we'll just have one. And you go out and then suddenly it gets to be, you know, 12, half 12. And somebody goes, listen, I know another place. And you go, okay, but just one. And then you go there. And then it's half two. And um, you're, you think, I can't believe I've done this. I'm, I'm, I'm going home and I don't even want to talk about it again. But, and someone says, that I know, but let's just quickly just go in here. <laughs> I think that's what's happening in Britain right now. <laughs> On a massive scale. I think they're good. It's good. The thing is, the way they convince you, no, no, I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds like we shouldn't have one more because it's quarter to four and we've already had three brandy and gingers and different drinks that we never have. But I'm telling you, this is going to fix us. That's what they're doing. And are they doing it, do you think, en masse? Or do you see a difference between the Scottish and the Welsh and the Irish, Northern Irish and the oh, English yeah. I mean, and the, how it's you know, all The thing is, every, we all love talking about unity. Everybody loves this word unification or, you know, oneness, the idea of wholeness, you know. But people are people everywhere. And this... The point is, we always have been, you know, we're all in this, we're all fragments of a whole thing. But when people get scared, then they rear up, you know, and they start looking at each other and pointing fingers. So that's basically what's happening. You know, I don't, you know, the colonial history of of the division of here and there is, you know, we all know what what that's done. And, um, you know, everybody just wants to get through this and get into better times. So. Is, it, is it difficult or more easy as a comedian? Do you want fraught political context in which you can skewer no, things? I don't want people to feel... No, I don't want people to feel bad. But the, look, the news is the, is the news. We, what, I'm, what I'm saying on stage is that the news is the news. If you're living off the news, if, you're, if your mood's determined by what's happening out there all the time, forget about it. You're in the wrong place, my friend. You've got to fight your own fight. You've got to fight into it, you know, with... 
I, I'm, I'm afraid to use the word positivity, but I don't know what else there is available. You've got to you've got to sort of step into into your day and headbutt it a bit because otherwise it'll bite you. <laughs> do, do you notice a difference in audiences because of that mood? Are they less yeah. up for it or more well, up? Well, what for happened it? was I messed up to be honest with you because I went out. I did the, when I started the British tour. I wasn't right in the head, frankly. I was depressed out of my mind from lockdown. I was grumpy, you know, and I went and I moaned. <laughs> I just moaned. <laughs> it was terrible. I moaned. I cried on stage at one point. I mean, proper moaning. And, um, you know, I was feeling really um, edgy and like, you know, crappy uh, for a while. And it, taken, it took me a while to to try and get it onto a level now where I feel like I can enjoy it more, you know. You literally cried? I did, yeah. Not deliberately as part of the no, bit? No, no, I was crying with tears. I was upset. It was in Reading. And it was, you know, an amazing thing, obviously, because you don't do that. You can't do that. Like, you don't, that doesn't happen, right? But it did happen. And <clears throat> uh, I was just, uh, I was upset. I was upset. I was talking about something. It was, became emotional. I was upset. So I was crying when I was talking. So, and the gig was kind of okay, you know, not bad <laughs> before then. But then that <laughs> happened. So it was kind of, I didn't, and I, I'm being on stage, you know, for nearly 30 years. It's a long time, right? So I didn't see that coming. And, um, but at the same time, the reason it, I wasn't, and I and people, you know, some people were worried about me and so on after that. And I'm not that worried. I mean, I feel a bit bad for them, you know, that I did. They got a weird show, but you know, we all went through a weird time. So, did the audience know that it was genuine, or did they continue to oh, laugh? Yeah. They did. They realised yeah. he's not having a good time with yeah. this. And can you bring them back at that point, or is there a point at which you well, decide, well, tough luck, lads? I'm going through my own stuff. You can, you can watch. but the point was, my point was the reason I thought it was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't you know, going to beat myself about it too much afterwards, although I wasn't happy, obviously, is that um, we've been, we've all been through an extremely strange time and people were, were emotionals. We're emotional animals. We're relational, emotional animals, you know, and everybody needs to get okay with that again. And did you think there was a particular catalyst for it in your own case? Well, I think just feeling bad, you know, feeling bad, crappy times, you know. That's but no it. one thing where you'd say, no, here's what caused I, no, that, I no, must deal with it be before. Loads, it must be loads, loads of stuff, life. And, you know, <laughs> it comes at, from four directions at once. That's how it happens. You know, it's not like, I want this, but this didn't happen. That's not what happens. It comes biff, baff, buff. It's, you know, it's, you get mugged by life sometimes. It just, multiple things go wrong and you can't believe it. And you're left there, you know, jabbering and, and, and kind of gasping and going, what? Uh, but that's what happens sometimes. I'm intrigued by this because one of the things that has happened in comedy, I think, in the last 30 years is it, it has gone from being one of those jobs that, that you really should never have applied for and it just won't work yeah. into being a cross between the Peace Corps and neurosurgery. You know, you've, you've people like Seinfeld spending vast amounts of money and getting huge audiences to just discuss how amazing comedy is and how wonderful it is being a comedian. But the sense you get from all of that is this is such a finely honed, tuned machine that every syllable and every pause is pre-planned before you ever get on stage. Well, that's, you know, it's like styles of music, you know. I mean, I've seen Jerry Seinfeld work. He's very, very good at what he does. But I don't want to play those tunes. I don't want to play that kind of music. That's, it's, it's about styles of how are you playing something. You know, some people pick something up and just blem out something that's full of mistakes, but it's kind of, you know, it's got, it makes you want to move. And some people get up and they play something and it's like Steely Dan, it's perfect. You know what I mean? Or Dire Straits, it's just, you know, everything sounds like a record. Or, the, you know, remember who was it? Some old rocker said that about the Eagles. You know, the thing is they were so boring to watch live because everything sounded like a perfect album. It's boring. I would find that boring. And anyway, I could never do it. I'm not I'm capable of producing that kind of super refined performance because that stuff just I can't pay attention to it so does that mean that when you go on stage not everything is planned that you yeah, le- yes yes it definitely means not everything <laughs> is planned does that mean new material appears to you and you go oh yes, yes, I must keep yeah, that that's actually yeah, a useful yeah, thing absolutely absolutely 
I wish I taped last night. It was full of new gear. I'll never get it again. It's gone. That's it. Bang. I'm never going to remember any of that. There's a, a line that's quoted about Laurence Olivier where he was supposed to have done one amazing, got a 12-minute uh, standing ovation at the end of a, a performance of Hamlet and somebody went back to, backstage to find him disconsolate and said, what's the problem? You were brilliant. And he said, yes, but I don't know why. Yeah, I totally get that. Totally get that. that. You can't control it. I mean, people will walk around with this idea that we're going to do this and we're going to do that and then that'll happen. That's when life mugs you. You know what I mean? That's when you, the four things go bang at the same time and you're left there. Do you still get the adrenaline rush and the nerves beforehand or are you a consummate enough professional in stagecraft? I'm not a consummate anything. <laughs> yes, I get adrenaline, I get nerves, I get everything. I get the whole thing. Of course I do. I don't know what I'm doing. I think it's crazy and I feel like a fraud and I feel like, a, you know, it's pathetic and all, the, absolutely everything, all of it. And then other things that I'm amazing at this. Get, get out of my, where's the microphone? You know, it all happens. It all happens every day. And when you get into a gig, is there a point at which that, that imposter thing goes away and you know, yeah, yeah, now yeah, I'm yeah, on it? Yeah, I mean, of course, you call yourself every name under the sun, you know. Um, yeah, and then, you, then you're doing your thing and you're flying and you don't care about anything, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's an emotional business if, if, you, if you're prepared to turn up for it. Some people just come and they just do a load of jokes and go home. I'm in the room. As in, there are jokes there, but there are big gaps in which you will be interacting yeah, and seeing where this goes. I'll forget things, I'll talk about this and I'll talk about something else. And, you know, you like it or you don't. How do you then square that with acting? Because surely acting is the opposite of that. Acting is get every line the way that it's meant kind to be. Kind of is, yeah. Well, it's, you, yeah, it kind of is. You, yeah, you, have, you, have, you take a few different runs at something, you know. Um, but again, I don't think about it. Because if I did, I couldn't do it, you know. So who then are the heroes? Oh, what? For comedy? Well, all the obvious people. The first person I always say is Richard Pryor because he was the first person who you know, really made me laugh when I was a kid. Um, he's just the funniest ever. I still haven't. I've never seen anybody funnier than Richard Pryor ever. I don't think. I've never seen somebody better him in terms of what he did, his bravery and, you know, talk about being in the room. He's an incredible performer. Bravery about the things that he would talk about. Yeah, but also just the humanity he presents on stage. He didn't hold back. He just threw the whole human story out there. You know, he didn't... He didn't heroise himself in any sense, ever. I'm not sure one of his funniest bits about setting himself on fire. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's got pathos. It's got everything. You know, it's beautiful. It's amazing listening to him. Um, and there's, lot, but there's, to be honest, fair with you, to be honest with you, there's so many, you know, there's a load of talented youngsters out there as well. I don't even know all their names. There's just so many people doing this now. When I started back then, you know, here in this comedy cellar in Dublin, it was... Kevin and Ardle and Barry and, you know, a few other heads there. And, um, I mean, it was nonsense. You know what I mean? It was just scoops and fun and, and being stupid, you know. Not business in any sense. It was just getting away with being alive and saying, to somebody, can somebody give us money for having fun? <laughs> and you get, like, you know, £20, £60. You know, that was... I remember £60 being a very, very big deal for, for doing a show. Um, but it was great. And it was a very friendly place to... They were really kind, which is, I think, you know, were they? they were very kind young men, which is just not words you don't often hear that, you know, that often together. But they were very welcoming. They're very kind. And everybody's very neurotic and you know, wants to do their stuff and get it right. And we're all obsessing about the same stuff in the end. But they were so welcoming. It was amazingly, um, you know, um, I don't know what the word is, congenial or something. It was just really, very. And I, I, was, not, and I, I was shocked then when I got to London and I was doing it for a living because... You know, London's a metropolis and it had a hundred comedy clubs and you could you could work, you could earn a living, you could just monkey bar your way across London and do the clubs. It was a really, really, you know, exciting thing for a young guy and your young person in your twenties, you know, to be doing that. Um it was the nineties, you know, London was really sort of happening and there was loads going on. I didn't know, I just rolled in, I didn't know what was going on. Um so 
How do you mean you just rolled in? How do you just roll into London? Like, surely this was a well-thought-out life decision. No, I, I had to go because I had to earn. I, you, you couldn't make a living in Ireland as a comic. Doing sort of, that's what I was doing. I thought, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. And London was the place you went for that. You could earn a living. Um, and I did. And you go over and you do stuff for free at first. You know, nobody knows you. But just the thing of like, being that, you know, I'm a hick. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm from Meath. So I'm, I'm used to cows and trees and rain. And <laughs> Well, steady, like it's, it's Meath. Like, it's, it's not Meath. Picnic Island. <laughs> no, it's not Picnic Island, but it's green, right? It's pretty this green. This is true, it is. It's nice. And, I've been there. And um, it's not, it's not Tottencourt Road Tube Station. You know what I mean? And I was freaked out. I just remember feeling like a crumb in, a, in, the, in the mouth of a whale or something. It was, I'm going to be eaten alive by this whole process. Um, because I'd been spoiled by the gentleness of, you know, Dublin then. But, uh, yeah, you just get on with it. You know, you're young and you take the knocks and you get on with it. How do you develop the persona? That, because there's a lot of comics who get up and do jokes, but yeah. you do jokes through a certain persona that, yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. I assume is crafted, or is that, well, does I mean, it arrive this, by chance? Know, you're here opposite me. I don't know. How crafted is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I sound too different on stage. But obviously, you know, you have some notions of what you'll talk about and where you'll go and, and so on. Some, I have to say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too big on that either, because I honestly, I mean, I might know what I might end on roughly or try and get to that, but I didn't even do that last night either. So it does, it goes all over the place. And um, I just trust that it'll work out, you know. And it it has now for 25 years? Yeah, right? for a while, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, okay. Yeah, it's pretty I mean, good. Obviously, yeah. don't want to look at it too closely in case it goes away, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's, it's quite the litany. It yeah, it's all right. It's all right. So you are going to be, let's get the important stuff out of the way. You're, Tuesday and Wednesday, you're going to be at the Cork Opera House. And this has to be, I would have thought, one of your biggest Irish tours in a while because you're then uh, October 6th in Waterford. There's extra dates in Vicar Street. You're in Sligo. You're in Limerick. You're in Galway. And then you're back in the Spiegel tent in Wexford. Uh, at the end of October, that's one of the longer runs you've done here, isn't it? Yeah, the recent times? all of it. Yeah, which which particularly pick oh, pick a the, geographic location. All great that things you really... end in Wexford. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, it's been a great pleasure, and I hope the gigs go well. And like I said, the next ones, if you want to grab tickets, I, I don't know if there are any left, but it's worth having a look. Tuesday and Wednesday, October fourth and fifth at Cork Opera House. If you want to get in touch, five three one zero six at a cost of thirty cent. That is the one and only Dylan Morn. Thanks. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.